Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at That's My Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Welcome, welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Chelsea Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm Glenn at Bedside Brat. And I'm Shadi at Black Girls Texting. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hello. So today we have a, an amazing guest. Um, we actually, this is your second time on Black Girls Texting, so we're so happy to have a friend of the show. Um, we have Hannah Brofman. Um, you are a native New Yorker, um, a modern day Renaissance woman. You're an influencer, a DJ, on-camera personality, entrepreneur, and beauty expert with a passion for health and wellness. So the last time we spoke, um, it was episode 35, and I think we're on well over 100 now, 103 wow. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We and, 103. Yeah. yeah, I think this will be 103. That's so crazy. 103 is like my number. <gasps> it's destined. It was the that. stars were aligned. Right. That's so <laughs> cool. We need to all like, get a lottery ticket or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so cool. Um, so we spoke. It was episode 35, Black Girls Do What Feels Good. And we mm-hmm. talked all about identity and wellness and your book, of course, um, do what feels good, which honestly I've been using during this time, you know, just to, you know, we're cooking at home, thinking about how to take care of my skin being at home. So it's been a really useful resource for us. I love that. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that episode is, is still one of my most favorite and you're still one of my most favorite guests. And I think we all felt like there was so much more that we could have talked about. So we're Mm -hmm. so happy to have you back on. Yay. Thanks guys. I loved, I love chatting with you. It was really cool to be in person and have that conversation. And it, you know what? It kind of feels like we're in person now. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't mind the Zooms. Like, Neither do I. Yeah. I'm like loving my home and, but I still get to connect through Zoom. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we've been dealing with a lot. It's we're in, still in the middle of a, you know, pandemic. Um, and on top of that, there's this amazing civil rights movement happening. Um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is addressing uh, police brutality and systematic racism. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a Black woman, it's kind of heavy, you know, dealing yeah. with all of that, seeing it all day long on television, on social media. It's all everyone can talk about, which is amazing, but it's, it's tough. Um, yeah. So we really wanted to have you on to talk about um, how we should be taking care of ourselves. You know, you can't pour out of an empty cup um, and just maintaining those routines and adding some new ones in, especially during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into the conversation, we have our game that we've, we've still, we're still playing, um, which is Red or Reply. So just to jog your memory, um, Red or Reply, it goes back to text. Sometimes you might get a text that you hate and you leave it on Red. Or you might get a text that you're into and you reply. So um, the first thing we have is the census. Are you all leaving that on red or reply? I'm replying. Good. I'm replying. 
I already filled that out. Good. I actually haven't filled, filled mine out yet, but I'm filling it out today. Okay, good. And Sorry. I'm filling out my absentee ballot today. Good. Yes, I just got mine. I need to do mine as well. Yeah, and yes. I, I learned that actually the absentee ballot, because of COVID this year, they're going to be counting absentee ballots that are stamped up until June 23rd. Okay. As normally, it had to be stamped seven days prior to the primary. Oh, that's so good to know. Yeah, which I feel like a lot of people don't know. So, yeah, a lot of people don't know. But I'm I'm just telling you guys for reference. No. No, yeah. I mean, just quickly on the subject of the election, I feel like I've been putting it off a little bit or like filling out my ballot because I'm like, shit, I need to sit down and like research these local politicians and really understand what I'm doing. Yeah. Passive about it like I had been in the past. 100 um, percent i know it and it it does take the extra effort but we have the time right now to do it i mean i'm not saying that we're not busy because i think we're all very busy at home but mm-hmm. um it's just like we can we can no longer afford to put it on the back burner no we can't mm-hmm. and and i think everyone you know always shows up for the presidential elections but all of these things that we're seeing, like how police are funded, it starts from like local government. So totally. Yeah. So great. Yes. Uh, we're all replying to the census. If you're <laughs> listening and you have not done it yet, do it. Um, it affects the funding in your communities. It affects, you know, the representation that you're going to have in government. So you need to fill it out. Um, the next thing, Juneteenth, read or apply. Reply. Reply. Happy Juneteenth. We're actually Happy recording this on Juneteenth. So cool. Yeah. I reply with like a little asterisk. Oh, maybe. speak on Or it. maybe reply a little late. I don't know. Something about it makes me feel like we're, we're celebrating an emancipation, but we're still not free. So mm. it's like a bittersweet type of celebration, I guess. Um, but I do yeah. think... Like after this, I'm going to go out and like go to a park with a bunch of black people and like buy food from black businesses. Like I think all of those types of initiatives are so important to do on today. And I feel like I really need this type of celebration and like fellowship today, given the times. Um, Yeah. yeah. I went to a celebration last night with just some like, and I know it's COVID, but it was like a few friends that we've been kind of um in your quarantine, quarantine bubble. Quarantine bubble. Yeah, our yeah, quarantine bubble. So. Right. Um, so we had some dinner from I believe it's called Amy Roots. It's a restaurant, black owned mm-hmm. restaurant in Harlem. Um, we drank all this black owned wine. Like there are I think there's one black vineyard currently, but we bought all the wine from there. Um, Mm -hmm. And we had some 10 to one rum, which is a black owned brand. Um, So, and it just felt really good. And we all gave speeches because we were lit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And just like about, you know, everyone is in a really great place in their career right now. And, you know, being intentional about thinking about our community as we grow. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels good to be celebratory on this day. Like all my friends are like, 
what are we doing for Juneteenth? Like what park does everyone want to go to? And like, um, I want to shout out my roommate and really close friend. Um, she has a space in the Bay area called so tree alchemy, and they've been doing like food pop-ups for their community and providing free produce and just like a lot of resources in West Oakland. So today they're doing a food pop-up with like plant-based, just like amazing food like things that you're used to having like collard greens and curried vegetables and then like tacos and it's just gonna be I'm just so excited like it feels so good to be black it does it does um I'm gonna be celebrating today by educating most of my white friends that are are in Long Island with me um I don't have like in Long Island community out here on lighter side and um I've been in contact and having zooms with a lot of um a lot of my black friends and we were trying to do something on zoom for Juneteenth but everyone now that we're in this phase two everyone's kind of like all right Hannah like I get it like the zoom was nice but like we got to be out in the streets today I'm like yeah, I yeah. feel you um so can't say the same for me over here but you know what the education is real it is. I'm gonna no, that's that. amazing. Yeah, I'm going to be... And I, I actually wanted to ask you guys, like, have you celebrated Juneteenth in the past? That's such a good question. We actually, we did an episode about Juneteenth last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm being completely honest, I can't say that I've ever put any thought into it before last year. Like, um, was it like a family, like... No. Right. Like my mom told me about Juneteenth, but it wasn't ever, it was never something that we really celebrated as a household. Like, you know, whether a lot of the times, you know, Juneteenth, especially growing up, like I was in camp or, you know, something like that. And, you know, obviously it was not being recognized at my, you know, all girls Jewish camp. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I have never grown up celebrating Juneteenth with like a real celebration, like we, the emphasis that we put on like July 4th. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like excited because even though it is bittersweet, I feel like in the years to come, it can become like a new tradition in my growing family. Yeah. I think Absolutely. that's a great point. I think we're going to see it really become something um, and be more embraced. And I know that, like, I think Shade and Chelsea, you've been given the day off of work, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. we don't have the day off. We actually have educational webinars. So when I get off of this with you, I'll be on a webinar with Ava DuVernay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm really excited. You guys have a good lineup. Yeah, wow. the lineup is amazing. Um, so that's, I think that's the one that's I'm like... Funny really 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 excited for but yeah so Facebook's doing like tons of webinars and just like educational conversations which like at first when before they had announced it I was like they're not giving us a day out what is this educational thing gonna be it's optional but then I was like oh okay I like like, this actually I like these yeah I like these webinars and at first like my team was talking about like doing like a meetup to see one another and I was like Mm, what? And then my manager was like, actually, we'll, we're celebrating Juneteenth. And I was like, there you go. 
<laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, my friend who's at Facebook, she we actually had like a very fierce debate um, because she showed me the lineup and she was like, this is what Facebook is doing. Um, and my initial reaction was, if I were a Black employee at Facebook, me personally, Chelsea, I want a day off. Because I, for me, I think I'm going to use this day as a resetting, as a taking care of myself, as a, um, just a day for that. But I do think the programming is, is amazing for those who want to use the day for education. So once we, fit, we talked it out and she was like, it's optional. I was like, okay, that's, I'm down for that. But for me, I'm going to use the day to just like celebrate life with people that I love. And I think you know, that's one way you can celebrate the day. And so I'm happy I got the day off. Word. Um, so the next one is apartment hunting, red or reply. Because that's red. what I'm doing right now. No. And it's You're doing it too, Shade. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I was talking to my friend about this and I was like, the next time I'm moving, I'm moving in with my husband. I don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not doing this again. It's the worst. It I'm not sucks. a fan. Yeah. And I know, Hannah, you were doing a renovation to yeah, your spot in New right? Yeah, we're still doing the renovation. And um, yeah, I'm definitely leaving this on red. It's like, I have to say, I'm very grateful that we have our place out here in Long Island because, you know, we two weeks before COVID hit, we moved out of our apartment and into um, like a small little apartment that's like a residence in a hotel. And obviously then COVID hit and it's like a hotel is the last place that you want to be. Um, so then we, we fully just came out here. I, I, you know, when we came out here, we were not expecting to be out here for you know, more than three months. Um, we were expecting to be out here for a couple of weeks. So um, we've had to go back to the city and pick things up and kind of bring things here and do that whole song and dance. And then we actually are renting our house out here for July and August because this is an income property for us. And we normally rent it out all summer. Um, but we stayed for June because I was not in the mood <laughs> to like, <laughs> try and move and like get that sorted for a month. So we're going to go to Brendan's, um, go see Brendan's family in Canada. They have opened the border for friends and for, for, for family and spouses. And um, yeah, so we are going to go North and then we'll come back to our house out here in September because our, our apartment in the city is not going to be ready probably until like February, March. Wow. Would yeah. you ever consider, are you, well, I, maybe you already are. Would you ever become a Canadian citizen? I, I'm not a Canadian citizen. And um, even though my, I actually have, my family is from Montreal. Oh. My family is from Ontario in outside Toronto. Um, I, I thought of getting my Canadian citizenship. I think I think in order to get your citizenship, you have to live there. Mm. Um, so again, on the topic of moving, we're good right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a hard red. 
Red, oh, red, red. I'm going to look at some more apartments today. We looked at apartments yesterday. It's right. I will say though, I don't know like what this is in my chart because I do not really have earth in my chart, astrological chart, but like I was packing yesterday and it was so satisfying. Like I bought the wrong bubble wrap. I bought this bubble wrap that's actually supposed to be like, it's like a pouch. And so you're supposed to put like small little like glasses in it. And at first I was like, wow, look at this like little nifty sticky thing. And then I was like, oh shit. I like read the package. I was like, okay, well this is all wrong. But I got really like innovative with it and like started wrapping all my like pots. And I was like, this is really fun. I like kind of enjoy the organization of all of this and like yeah, planning your, it all it's out. It's OCD. Okay. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's in, your, in your makeup. It's in your bones. <laughs> it's not in your chart. Yeah. You can, you, can keep, you can keep them moving. You could come move my stuff if you'd like. I might. Okay. It's you're like welcome really to fun. <laughs> the next and last one that we have is the reach out text. That, that's what we're calling it from, you know, your white friends during this time. I don't know if you've got them, Hannah, but we've gotten so many texts from our white friends, like, hope you're doing well. Um, I'm thinking of you. These but also of- like friends or people you haven't spoken to in years, like someone you maybe took a class with sometime. And you also mentioned earlier that you've been leaning into doing this, this education. So, you know, are people hitting you up for resources and things like that? Mm-hmm. Um. So, so I'm going to say some have been read and some have been replied to. Um, actually, people are really not hitting me up. Oh, man, my light just went out. Um, it's okay. Man. Unless, but we can also pause if you need. Well, no, whatever. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I'll just turn a little bit to take this light Yeah, I can here. see you. Um, okay. So... A lot of people actually have not been hitting me up as a resource. And I think that's because I've also been very um, resource heavy on my Instagram. Mm. So it's like, just go there and look. Otherwise, use Google. I think my friends know um, not to kind of hit me up when it comes to resources. Although I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, um, I've heard some like disturbing comments. Um, over the last couple of weeks from different people, educated people, uneducated people, um, some of my parents, just like, just really odd and strange, um, like, perspectives. So I actually said to one of my girlfriends who whose parent I was talking to who kind of said some off-putting things. I said, listen, I'd, I'd actually really like to put together a resource email with some things that I think would be really beneficial, not only for parents to see, and maybe you could watch all stuff with them, but also for a lot of my friends' parents. I think that for this generation um, that I'm talking about, that older generation, um, I think they need to help understanding. Um, I, I was I was kind of shocked to find out they needed help understanding, but um, I have now started to put together 
um, a list of resources that I won't be sharing on my Instagram, but rather that I will be sharing quite personally via email with some of these, um, you know, people who have, who have, you know, I've known my whole life. Um, because I think hearing it from me is really an important part of the conversation. And I know that, um, you know, in this time, we're kind of like, you need to do the work and it's not, I'm not here to do the work for you, but, um, in this specific instance, I feel that I need to step in and that I need to put these things together. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I was talking to the BGT, um, about my reach out experiences and, you know, all of my friends have done it. Everyone that's my age has done it, but someone who is almost like a family member to me, um, who is of the older generation has not said anything. She hasn't like posted anything. She hasn't like, and she posts on, she knows how to use Instagram, um, and hasn't said anything. And I'm so confused about what my role is here Mm -hmm. because I think I'm probably the only, you know, black person in her life. Um, And so I'm like, should I reach out? Should I cut her off? (laughs) Like, should, like, I don't know what to do. And it has been bothering me because I'm like, I wonder if she even cares about this issue. And if she doesn't, how can she care about me? Um, So. Mm, Yeah, I think that's a time when you have to call that person in. You consider them like family as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's like work for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And it could be painful, but I think it's it, it's definitely still sitting on your spirit now that you don't have any clarity on where this person stands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Difficult. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, so I'm, I'm the same in that some of the reach outs I'm leaving on red and some I'm replying to. It's so weird because I know that people are coming from like a good place, but it's still coming from like a convoluted place place of privilege in the way the reach out has been like it's going about it almost feels like they feel they need to do the reach out but like I rather you do more of like the internal work and understanding white supremacy and the way that like you uphold racial injustices yourself opposed to just like checking in on me and that kind of being your only thing and that's not to say that's all people are doing but like I am seeing some people who reach out and we'll post things here and there but then I also see like some problematic behavior not being undone Mm. and that's concerning but I don't know at this point I'm just like baby steps yeah you know I feel like in the 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 week or so following George Floyd's murder the fallout was like there was this unofficial list of things to do to prove that you were engaged and that you were on the right side of history. I think one of those was the reach out. And then the other one was like, are you going to post something on social media and what is it going to be? And we've talked about this on the show before, like the whole black square thing as a, as a way to show solidarity, but like, how do you take it a step further than that? Um, And I think, we've all really appreciated the way that you've been engaging in those conversations, Hannah, on, on your social, like the posts that you did um, about the memory of the first time you were called the N word. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like so honest and raw. 
And I'm just curious what that felt like to be that open and kind of where it came from. Yeah, so um, the night before I wrote that, I was like, cried myself to sleep that night. I was just like so overwhelmed by everything and like really thought a lot about, I might cry now, just just really thought a lot about like all like the collective microaggressions that I've experienced um, in my life, even as an adult, like um, in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And when I thought back to that specific time, it resonated more because it was almost like it was the most innocent of all of the microaggressions I've encountered Wow. because we can all we can all resonate with being a young teenager and saying the wrong thing mm-hmm. and um I think we all as a collective black narrative remember our first time being called that so it seemed like kind of the best entryway for me to talk about microaggressions as a whole um, and I also, I, when thinking about the microaggressions that I've experienced in the workplace, I, I, I really don't know how I feel about this cancel culture. And I didn't want to necessarily talk about a brand or something that someone has done that I would then be calling out. And, you, you know, I'm not looking to be at the center of like a negative scandal. And by the way, I don't even mean to say negative. I just don't need to be, I don't know. I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be a part of the cancel culture. And even though I do think people and brands do need to be held accountable, I have personally reached out to these brands, not publicly. Mm. So I feel like I personally have, am doing the work there and have suggested, you know, them creating diversity councils and, and whatnot. But so this, this specific thing that happened in, in middle school at school, I shared, um, and, and so the night before I was like really, really upset. I literally cried myself to sleep. My husband was like, just holding me. He was like, just let it all out. And then like the next day I felt like, you know, I was like, I, I know that this is a collective narrative that people aren't necessarily talking about. And I know that the white people following me are all going to be so shocked by this. Yet this is something that we have all dealt with. And if you, the comments got me like, Oh my God, because first of all, I was not expecting, I was not expecting any of it. Like the, 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 the amount of stories that were shared in those comments about other people's first time, the amount of comments from our, my white followers of like, holy shit, this is insane. And I was like, wow, like you can just tell, you don't have to look at anyone without thick. Like people who said they were shocked were white and people said I was 12, I was 11, I was 15. It's like, it was just, I didn't think it would be such a, a provocative and thought-provoking 
posts. I was just trying to share and, and kind of what I always try and do is just like share my truths and just, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to always be so political or anything. Like it's just literally how I was feeling and something I couldn't get off my mind. And speaking of red and reply, the girl who I was talking about in that post reached out to me and wrote me like a, an extremely heartfelt email. And, um, you know, after that incident, we weren't friends and, um, also my school didn't do anything. They didn't step in. And it wasn't until my white father and my mom, but my mom kind of made my dad do it because she didn't want to be, again, she didn't want to be the angry black woman. Mm. And my dad went ballistic on the school. And I think maybe the girl was suspended for like two days or something. And then they had to have like conversations. My parents had to have conversations with her parents. And and then she ended up leaving the school and going to boarding school, maybe not the next year, but the year after. Um, and then we did not have any contact. And then we didn't have any contact contact in college, but she went to a college with, um, or a university with a bunch of my friends. And then out after school, after college, we kind of saw each other again, randomly in social circles. And I'm not one to hold grudges. I don't have time for that. I don't have space internally for that type of negativity. So I never, you know, we never addressed it when we saw each other in person, but we were totally cordial. We were fine, you know? And, um, she reached me and basically, I mean, it was so, it was really intense. It was really intense. And I, she was like, I'm not expecting you to reply to this, but I just gave birth two weeks ago and I'm sitting here writing this to you with my daughter in my arms. And all I can say is like, I am committed to doing that. I'm committed to my daughter to be better than I am. I mean, she even went as far to say, like, you know, I think all the time about why was that vocabulary even in my brain? Like, was I born a bad person? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, she was like, the guilt was fucking real. And she was also very, you know, honest to say, I'm sure my guilt doesn't even compare to the pain that I caused. But, um, you know, I've been walking around with this for 20 years. There's hardly a day that goes by that I don't think about it. And wow. Yeah, it was crazy wow. and it was really powerful. And a couple days later I, I wrote her back and I, and I, and I basically said to her, listen, like I, I wasn't sharing this to open any old wounds for your family or my family or for us personally. But again, this felt like the most innocent of all of the microaggressions that I have felt. And like, um, you know, I just, I appreciated what she said. And I said, listen, I think we're all living examples of, you know, growth and compassion and, you know, and so. Wow. Yeah. Super powerful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, I had this, I keep having this conversation and like in jest, I'm like, Oh, I just want to get out of America and move to this commune and have this like utopian (laughs) black society. Um, And one of my guy friends and I kind of keep not debating about it, but he's just very much of the school of thought of like, I feel like 
the America we live in can be improved. And I feel like progress can be made. And I feel like that is closer than it seems right now, but like it's possible. But I think the thing that I'm reckoning with, um, last night I said to him, I was like, I want to live in a place where black people can thrive. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, but you are thriving. Like you, you are, you are doing well. And like, I was like, I think we have a different definition of what it means to thrive. And for me, I I had to sit with myself on like what that means to me. And I think for me, like thriving as a black person in America is like being proud of who you are as a black person and feeling like that is reflected around you. And I don't just mean like L'Oreal throws like black people in a campaign or, you know, there are more black Barbie dolls. I mean, like a black girl can genuinely grow up, love herself, not have doubts about herself because she's black, because her hair is kinky or coily or curly and just like be a, a kid, like just grow up and not have all these like subtle things that are unfortunately just blatantly because of, of, of racial constructs impact her. And, and he was like, well, you know, I think it's environment and, and, you know, I want my kids to go to like really black schools and be in really black spaces. And I was like, I know people who are in the blackest of spaces, Afrocentric upbringings, I'm black and I'm proud. (laughs) And people did not want to get tanned in the summertime, like literally like hide from the sun. People were the minute they could get a relaxer in their hair, were like running to do that. And who knows like where that comes from or why we have that. And I think that's like the biggest thing. And like, then you have these experiences of like these microaggressions, like these things that are constantly subtly telling you, like you are not the same or you are not good enough. And like the, I just want to get to a place where we can have that. And I think that is like the, the worst part of, of microaggressions and, and those experiences. Like the minute you may build up that confidence, like I was like, do you know how long it takes a black girl to feel confident? Mm. Like to really like feel confident in her blackness. Like Mm. I know people who, and myself included still don't feel confident in their blackness. 28 years old, almost 30 years old. Like You can't, like, that's incomparable, I think, to people who are like, oh, yeah, like, puberty was rough, had acne. It's like some people are like, puberty was rough, I hated myself. Yeah, that's really big time. Um, Oh, sorry, Chelsea. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, 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 you know, feel everything that you all have said. I think when I'm thinking of my own future children who will be Black, um, I one thing that I want to ingrain in them, which I didn't have myself, is to call these things out and like feel that confidence to to kind of stand up for themselves. Like I I remember being in situations where I just felt so silenced and like I didn't have the language maybe or the confidence maybe or didn't felt like I was alone in certain spaces. So like it's me against the world. But I think thinking about my own kids, I'm gonna give them that language and like. I don't know, like, don't, you know, try to, try to try that way. Um, I'm, I'm trying to find this Langston Hughes quote. Mm. And I just found it. 
Okay. So, and I think it really resonates also what Trade, what you were saying about your utopia and, and the reality of, of what is thriving and, and, and this, you know, deep, confused land we live in. And the quote, it's a, it's a poem actually called um, Let America Be America Again. And here's just one line of it that says, oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet. That part. And I just think, you know, it really sums up what we're all saying, which is that America has been created on a false narrative. The land of the free has never been. And it's what we were all sold on, but it's never embodied that. Yeah, I have crazy memories of um, saying the Pledge of Allegiance and then thinking about like, how the hell was I standing up with my hand over my heart to that flag and saying all those lies? Like, none of it is true. It's preposterous. Um, so I, yeah, I like that sentiment. Like it never has been what it purported to be. But really quick, I wanted to bring up um, this idea of being black and having a certain level of privilege and how that allows you to engage in these conversations. Because I've had struggles myself. And I'm even thinking like what you were saying, if everyone remembers their first story of being called the N-word, I actually don't know if I have a memory like that. Do do you all, Chelsea and Shade? Um, I have, I don't have a memory of, actually, I'll, I'll just share mine. Yeah. Um, in college, this uh, guy was, who was my good friend, actually, um, white guy was saying, like, saying the word, like, like, nigga, please, like, jo- not in a, not in an angry way, but said the word. And I was like, I don't really like you saying that word. And he was like, and he just continued to do it. He was like, but you're my nigga, but you're like, and just kept doing it in front of people. And no one stood up. Oh for me. my god! And I was like, "Stop saying it!" And like, I was just getting progressively and progressively angrier and angrier till like I was like, like literally about to hit him. Like, stop saying it! You're not being funny right now. And then we just stopped being friends. So that yeah. was my experience. I mean, that. I think something interesting in that idea of privilege too is that, like, a lot of us have occupied like very white spaces. Mm-hmm. So then this shit comes with it in a different kind of way. Um, You're around these people who are quote unquote supposed to be your friends and you get it from them all the time. Yeah. I I guess this can kind of encompass in your conversation around privilege, Glenn. Um, I don't think I've, I I don't recall ever being called it, but like the more and more I think about things um, and I've had this conversation with the girls on episodes in the past, like it, it's kind of like a joke, like it's oh, Roque Shade, because I definitely lived in this like blissfully ignorant space of just like enjoying m- my life and not really like, not even noticing microaggressions, but just being like, whatever. And I think in being able to be passive about microaggressions, because like I personally didn't really care, is irresponsible because there are other people who it impacts. So while I went to like, I went to Trinity College 
now me and my friends are joking. Like we went to the white supremacy school. (laughs) It's like, um, just so much shit that I'm like recalling and just like poor, poor behavior. And I don't think anyone's directly called me the N word, but I've heard it around me. There've just been like fucked up instances of people doing terrible things. And something that I am particularly a huge fan of are the black ats, the black Mm. at accounts. I don't know if you've seen those Hannah, but um, there's a black at Trinity account that is getting crazy. Like the amount of quotes on it are like out of this world, but not only are there quotes now, there's like video. People are submitting like videos and instances. And there was a video today of, and this was not too long ago, kids going to McDonald's in Hartford and they're not in a car, but they're at like a drive-through. And I don't know, I guess the McDonald's is closed and they're like, we're not going to serve you. And there's, they start yelling at the staff and being like, this is fucking America and I can fucking kill you. And like speaking broken Spanish to them, like amiga, fuck you. And I'm like the amount of times that I've seen things like that. People talk about Hartford locals as though they are, you know, the scum of the earth. We've had an incident where a kid was attacked and there was a rally and people were talking about building a wall around the campus and like just living in all of that. And it just like not, it just like never, I think permeating into me in a way that made me like, this is a problem, just like passively living through it. Maybe it was self-preservation because it is hard to like always recognize it. Like that takes a toll too, you know? But I think it also came from a a place of privilege because I never, I was like, they're not talking about me. I'm not involved in that. I'm not impacted Mm. by that. Mm. This doesn't matter to me. So So, it's a mind fuck. It is a mind fuck. So I went to also like predominantly white schools and my um, high school actually where the incident of me being called the N word took place has an, uh, a handle it's at black Spence speaks um and they were actually like mentioned in the wall in a wall street journal article this past week about um kind of what's going on in new york city private schools right now that are that's you know there's one for chapin and then there's one for rarely and, and spence um and i shared actually a few other stories with them in the dm that they have now put as quotes on their page. Um, and it's crazy. I started looking through this account and I had flashbacks of being in third grade and we were being taught about fridge as like lower class. And they separated the classroom from blue eyes and brown eyes. It was just a very weird way of teaching us about, it was just really fucked up. And then I had another flashback and I'm on my family group text and my, my older sister also went to Spence, but she, she left, um, she didn't graduate from Spence and actually neither did I. I was kicked out of Spence also because I was black, which I also told them about. And it's also on their feed now. Um, but I, 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 uh, I told my mom and my sister I said, Oh my God, you guys, I'm having a flashback of music class 
where they had us singing a slave song that was like, oh, Lordy, pick a bale of cotton. Oh, Lordy, pick a bale of cotton. No, no, it, it literally, and I, and I, I had this flashback of us singing this song in our music class, going around the room, like dancing in a fucking circle. And so I was scared. so shocked. Yeah. This is shit that I have suppressed in my 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 mind and my spirit for so long. I was like, I, I was I was on it. I mean, it could make, it would make me cry just thinking about. It. I was so shook as like coming back. You know, I don't know if it was self preservation or what. Like, I don't even I don't even know. But then also like to talk about the privilege. Like, I'm also realizing that a lot of my white friends' parents don't even necessarily see me as black because I went to these mm-hmm. same private schools and like, they're saying shit to me that I'm like, what is like, actually what is wrong with you? And I've even heard, and I, I asked not to know who said this, but I even heard someone say to my husband's parents, like, Oh, well she's, she's really em- embracing her black side. Oh, and wow. Like, I'm wow. black. And just because I don't always talk about race doesn't mean that I'm not black. And I think for so many parents as well, who like my girlfriend came over the other day and she has a son who's in high school. And I said, how's your son taking everything right now? And she said, you know, he, he put me in a place the other day. I said, you know, she said, you know, I I thought I raised you not to see color which I think was kind of the wrong thing to do. And he said, don't ever say that. He's like, I've always seen color. I just don't think I understood how detrimental it was for the black community, the way everyone else does or doesn't see color. And she was like, wow. Okay. Got it. Like, you know, and like, she's, she was really open with sharing that with me because we're very close and she's like I can't believe that I thought that I was trying to like make my son be all inclusive by not recognizing which I think a lot of people make that mistake I think that's like a common like white privilege parent parental um I don't know I don't know what what you'd fucking call it but yeah no no no, for sure I think a lot of people are being called out by their kids especially high school age kids. What? I know y'all seen those TikToks mm-hmm. of these white kids lighting their parents up. Oh yeah. And it's amazing. It's yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I, so you as you all, mm, sorry, Chelsea, I was just going to say really quick, even as everybody was speaking, things started to flood back for me too. And I'm like, shit. Yeah. There were so many spaces where I thought I was safe, where I just was not. And like, thinking about them in retrospect or seeing them with adult eyes. I'm like, Oh, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Like this town where I used to go with my family every summer, where I have some of my favorite memories of just like riding my bike around and feeling like a kid was actually, or is actually conservative and racist as hell. And I was out there just feeling so free. Um, and I remember actually though, one incident that happened there, there were like these white kids I used to hang out with and one of the girls asked to touch my hair and everybody paused and looked. I was like probably 10. And I, I've never forgot that, like what, what that felt like. And just, I don't know. 
it's all, I think this is a definitely a thing in this processing of this moment is all of these things are coming up for us. Yeah, which I think speaks to wellness, right? And taking care of yourself. For me, it's been super therapeutic to, you know, have you all to talk to and, you know, have my other friends to talk to. And we're all like sharing experiences and kind of reflecting. Um, and, you know, we kind of all have, we're all very different, you know, being black is not a monolith, but we all kind of have this like collective, you know, experience. Um, and I think talking through it with your friends and people who you trust and can actually be vulnerable with is a piece of the wellness, you know, don't keep that shit inside, talk it out, talk to people you trust, um, and let it out. Um, what else have you been doing, Hannah, to kind of keep yourself well? So I've been going through this cycle, which I don't know, maybe you guys are experiencing as well. It's like, okay, I wake up, I try not to look at the news first thing in the morning. Um, and if I, by the morning I woke up, I looked at my Instagram and actually uh, a French black girl I, I follow had, had posted a very intense video. And I was like, damn, this is not how I wanted to wake up you know, like, fuck. So I'm going through a cycle where it's like, okay, I do something nice for myself. I take my mind off things for a minute. And then that lasts for like that feeling of like calm and peace lasts for about five minutes. And then I'm fully re-triggered and I go through this whole cycle again. And I think for me, I've some of the things that I've been doing that helped me get to that moment of rest and calm are crying, baths, talking a lot with my friends, my black friends, my mom, my husband, his parents, um, watching Netflix. And not necessarily documentaries either, just like just watching something a little mindless and then cooking for myself. That's like very therapeutic for my, for me. And I try to get mood, like I try to work out or get like something, a walk. In. I, you know what? I don't even like to walk right now because I'm just too in my head about everything. So if I can like do something that I, I'm actually focused on the activity for an hour that also really helps. Um, and then, yeah, just like, you know, I look forward to like my skincare routine every night. Um, but I've noticed I've also been like really clumsy and I've like knocked over my serums and I was like, fuck, Oh my God. And I'm just, because I'm, I'm not, I'm not as present as I normally am because my mind is like, there's just so much going on. Oh my God, I so agree. I'm making like silly mistakes. I'm forgetting things. I'm losing stuff. I've never been that person. Um, I'm just absorbed, like totally. I've been feeling like a crazy person. I'm like, is, am I losing my memory? Like, am I losing my mind? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned that you've been talking to your husband about this in this process and we got a letter on one of our previous episodes from a person who's in an interracial relationship and has been struggling with 
that dynamic, um, especially in this time. And I wonder if you could speak to maybe what those conversations have been like and how you've been able to talk to him about being like an ally to you um, and being like in this fight with you. Yeah. So um, actually Brendan and I sat down and we, we recorded a um, like IGTV and a YouTube episode for his YouTube about this exact subject. And it's been, um, it's been really amazing because I think in the beginning, you know, Brendan's never really used his platform to talk about anything political or, um, yeah, anything really political or, or civil rights like dominated before. And, and, um, I, he, we were in bed one night and he said, listen, I'm getting like a lot of DMs being like, when are you going to say something? You haven't said anything. He's like, I'm starting to feel attacked. And obviously we have all of these conversations at home, but I've never put it on social media. And I said, well, do you want to post something because you want to, or do you want to post something because you feel like you have to? And he said, I want to post something because I feel like I need to, like people need to know my stance and I feel like I want to, but I also feel like I have to. I said, okay, so where, where do you want to start? And he said, well, I've been thinking, you know, I wanted to put up like just a black video of eight minutes and 46 seconds, because I think it's important for people to take that, at least that amount of time to recognize their privilege. And I said, well, this is a really great place to start. I love that. That was so powerful. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I, and, you know, it didn't come from me. I, you know, I and, I and I asked him that question, you know, just to say, like, you know, where are you right now? Like, let, like let's let's work through this. And, and you know, he, I was, like, very taken aback in a really proud moment. And I was like, okay, cool. So, that, I think this is a really great idea. So let's, you know, why don't you craft something up? And, he, you know, we always kind of are each other's like uh, editor, copywriter, whatever. So um, he wrote what he wanted to say. And I thought it was really powerful. Maybe edited a couple commas, periods, whatever. And ever since that moment, he has been a sponge. And he has been taking in everything I'm saying, everything, all the, like he's doing research on, on all the things. And I know that he's doing the work because I hear him on the phone with his friends who are saying, you know, bro, like I saw that what you posted was really powerful. I feel like I don't know what to say. I feel like I'm being pressured. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to just say something to say something. I don't want to just repost to repost. Like, and I hear him being like, okay, well, what have you done behind the scenes? And they're like, oh, well, I've, or, you know, I'm donating to this organization or that organization. I really care about entrepreneurship. And he said, okay, so start there. And he's like, well, the guy's like, well, I don't, I don't feel like I need to show my GoFundMe history. And Brennan's like, but you do, because if what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Your audience is going to also donate to these organizations that you think are important. What your community is going to know where you stand on this like insanely important issue. And I, you know, hearing him talk about, Hey, 
(laughs) hearing him talk about um, all of this to his community is probably the most powerful part. It's not about what he's fucking posting on on social media. You know what I mean? You know, he's reposting and doing all the things. (laughs) (laughs) Reposting and doing all the things. Like, it's the way he's speaking to his community personally that I think, to me, is showing me um, where he stands and how he feels and how he feels other people should be um, acting right now. And, you know, Easter um, has adopted a baby girl who is just the cutest little thing. Her name is Hartley and she's mixed. And um, his sister's husband, um, his sister is married to a black guy. Their kid's mixed. And our kid's going to be mixed. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize I was, you know, marrying like the whitest Canadian guy and all the kids are going to be mixed. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, you know, talking to his parents and like really making sure that his sister and, and her husband and that his parents like all understand what the conversations need to be to raise these kids with their proper identity. And it was just really that to hear, to hear him talk about that and to talk about like our future kids, like it's just, it's really, it's really awesome. And I I think, you know, the conversations have definitely been difficult. And I remember that first day that the videos came out of what happened to George, George Floyd's murder. And I sat there and I watched the entire thing crying hysterically and Brendan at first was like, please don't watch that. It's you're going to, you're not like, it's, it's going to be too, too much for you. And he's like, I couldn't get through it. And I said, you need to come sit with me and watch this in its entirety. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's a part of the work. Did, Did you find that you were having these conversations earlier in your relationship or is this like deepening things in some way? Mm. Um, it's definitely deepening things. We definitely have these conversations in the past. You know, I'm the first person to say, to walk into an all white room and be like, okay, well, clearly I've been sticking out like a sore, sore thumb or, you know, <laughs> we'll go to Muskoka, which is where his family has a, a summer cottage. And, you know, it's like an extremely white community. Um, and so, you know, I'm always the one to point it out, make a joke, say, you know, hey, or give an opinion or give a perspective. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable in my skin and I'm outspoken. And so he, and he loves that about me. So, you know, we've had these conversations in the past. He's obsessed with my mom and the fact that like my mom also is an extremely proud black woman who is eccentric in the way she dresses, is always talking about culture, African art. Like she's just, she's so on it. And, you know, Brendan loves his time with her because he's learning. And I've never, and he's always kind of, he's always kind of been a sponge, but now I'm really understanding that not only is he computing, he's processing, and then he's re-educating. Whereas before, I think the behavior was more processing. Mm. 
I think that's a crucial part right there. And I think that's something that everyone needs to do in a way um, that I've been finding that like I even need to do just learning so much. And like, it's helping me understand my own self, my own identity, the way I want to make impact because something that I've kind of been grappling with this whole time is that like, I'm still coming at this from like a place of, of privilege in a way that I still don't really understand. And I still want to make impact. And like, even in these conversations that we're able to have the platform we're able to have, it's like, so there's so many levels to it and it's like kind of mind blowing. But I think that the number one thing is like educating yourself and, and, and recognizing that. And then to your point, Hannah, like, okay, I've got it. I'm computing. Now what's the action that I can take? Because that's going to be the next step forward. And I think that's going to get us to this, whatever this utopia is going to look like. (laughs) Still figuring that out. Totally. I've even noticed, honestly, like the conversation that I, that I've been having with my dad is even um, really like, you know, he, he's been texting me, like, he feels a bit regretful that he didn't place more of an emphasis and, um, like, education on race. Like, he feels like he left that to my mom to, to deal with. And um, so I think, you know, this is a really emotional time. I think white people are having a lot of reckonings, right? And and I think my dad's definitely going through it too. And and he just keeps, you know, he's all he's a proud dad. Like you know, he's like any dad. But I think now there's a level of proudness that he didn't necessarily see before. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's. Oh. That's complicated. I never really thought about that before, like that dynamic and him expecting your mom to do the teaching in. Um, wow. I feel like that's something for people to think about, like what your responsibility will have to be, right? Yeah. And, and that's kind of where, what I think about a little bit more than being in an interracial like relationship is more about being raised by interracial parents. Mm. Um, cause, and, and it's funny because no one's asked me that. No one's, no one's mentioned. People are like, oh, like, you know, you're biracial. So what's your perspective? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's not like I'm, I'm a black woman. Yes. And, and I think that, and I think, I think a lot of people, when they ask me, they, they say, okay, the privilege that comes with being biracial and there is privilege in being biracial, but for me, it's really because I grew up in a wealthy Jewish family. You know, for some people, and and I, and it's like that community for for some reason, I guess I'm realizing didn't see me as black, or I don't know. It's a very, you know, I also this just stuck out to me, but I was like at a bar one time when I was like 21, and this guy. You know, I said that I was Jewish and this guy made a horrible, horrible remark about, he said, what are you, an Ethiopian Jew? Do they cut your clit off too? And I, I literally 
I mean, I think my friends had to hold me back. I mean, it was like, and I've never been spoken to in that way. And it was just like one of those crazy moments. And it was the first time I also really experienced anti-Semitism while also experiencing Mm -hmm. straight up racism. Mm -hmm. It was really a wild fucking moment. And I haven't thought about it in a really long time. Um, I don't know. Yeah. People are out here so up. It's crazy. I, I honestly, I think a lot about like how people can function in this world with so much hate and mm. so much negativity. Yeah. I, like, I actually, are you tired of that? Exactly. Like, aren't you, like, like, I just don't even get it. I posted a video of, um, I think his name is Sean T, the, the exercise guy. Um, he was dancing with his husband to like a Beyonce song and it's so cute. And I posted it and like put up all these hearts. And, um, one of my friends was like, um, she was like, look in the comments. And I looked in the comments and it was just all these like homophobic comments, like stop showing black men like this. This is disgusting, blah, blah, blah. And I was just so confused. I was like, how do you get that from these two, this, this couple like dancing to a Beyonce song? Like it's so lighthearted. It's so happy. It's like finally some joy on my timeline. I was so excited to share it. And then those were the comments. It's just confusing Mm -hmm. to me. And I don't understand like that sort of mindset of like feeling so much hate for no reason. Like these people aren't hurting anyone. Like being a black person doesn't mean I'm going to like cause you harm because of my skin color. Um, but then that also for, as it relates to race, jumping away from homophobia for a minute. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the education that we get in this country and some people, I think they're, you know, have these feelings about black people because look at what we're taught, like our education, look at our media, every black person, you know, so many shows, it's just like, okay, it's a drug dealer or someone who's going to kill you or a criminal. And then in, in school, I'm thinking about how black history is taught and it's like, okay, slavery. And then they're criminals. I wasn't taught about, you know, the thriving community in Tulsa. I wasn't taught about the thriving community in Rosewood when I was in school. I wasn't taught about um, even Central Park. I recently learned had a thriving black community. And then they just built Seneca Village and then they just built the park. And I'm wondering why that isn't a part of the education that we all get. Because they don't want it to be. Yeah. I mean. I don't know if you probably watched that Vox video yeah. about mm-hmm. the village and you saw that in that video I actually shared this in my newsletter last month it's like the New York Times of that year when they're talking about um when they're talking about creating Central Park but at the same time they're going to need to like get rid of this neighborhood they refer to the neighborhood as like all of these really like discussing terms about 
African about these African Americans who, who were thriving, and we know that they were thriving because the 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 people who were um, who decided to kind of dig everything up mm-hmm. found artifacts of beautiful porcelains and toothbrushes, which, you know, toothbrushes were not even a thing then. Um, They had stuff about the schools that were there. And like, you know, this was an upper middle class um, neighborhood. And when you look at what the, what they said in the New York times about the neighborhood, they make it seem like it's like, you know, a, a whole, just, I don't even, I don't even want to perpetuate the language that they use to describe but it's it's so far from the reality that you know that's the easy way for them to just erase us. Yeah, exactly. The erasure is like there. It's been changed. I was about to say Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, Did you have you seen, seen those videos? Yeah. Did you hear Beethoven is black, Hannah? What? So he's <laughs> he, he's he's probably mixed, um, but apparently he like would use white makeup uh, to like, you know. Body doubles to sit for portraits. Mm-hmm. He's black. Wait, so like black Twitter went ham. Black, black Twitter, Twitter literally has videos of like people like doing the, like the Bobby Shmurda dance, but like to Beethoven, it's just like, <laughs> it's incredible. Oh my God. I need to find all of this right now. That is, in, that is insane. Yeah. It's insane. Look at this one. Is that... You know, he had to hide his identity. Yeah. <laughs> They're just like dancing a piece. Oh my god! We'll send you these videos. Uh, they bring lots of joy. Wait, yeah, they that do. Is amazing. They were, yeah, that was but yeah, the rewriting of the rewriting of history, right? So yeah. I think our job as future parents, if the education system doesn't change, is to educate ourselves and then educate our kids. You know, and like so that they can have that proud feeling that you don't necessarily get through regular school education. Totally. I don't know if you guys saw, but I posted this video of, pardon me, of Muhammad Ali in an interview in 1971. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, commenting on why everything is fucking white. And he's like, he's like, you know, he goes on, he lists everything. He's like, and he's like, and Tarzan, king of the African jungle is white. And I'm, he's like, you know, it just, none of it makes sense. And he oh was questioning it. It's really quite amazing. And I had never seen Muhammad Ali. Um, I don't even think I've really seen him in an interview that is him not after a fight. So this interview, not only like I mean, men like very sexy and cool and like well dressed and like fine as hell, but that he also was so inquisitive and was questioning all this stuff. And he, you know, he mentioned like, why are all the angels white? He said, Mama, are all the black angels in the kitchen making the milk and honey? <laughs> like, I don't get it. No, but and that's was, so real. And it's so real. Mm-hmm. It's it's like. So I've <laughs> been joking with my dad. My dad, my dad is 73. He just discovered YouTube. Like literally like goes to the remote and it's like YouTube. And it is like the best thing. And he just watches like videos that we jokingly are like, okay, these are hotep videos. But like really like he sits and like 
he watched like the coronation of like a king in Benin and he listens to like these like speeches from like Muhammad Ali or Malcolm X and he like watches all this information about like Egypt and Africa and like he's like you know like I know you know this but like I want you to know like we are kings and queens like I want you to know that like we can do anything like we and I'm and it's like the cutest thing ever and like even my dad and I have been having these conversations around like privilege and I think a lot of my attitude has come from him because he grew up in Brooklyn. Um, he went to Bishop Lachlan High School when it was all white. He was the only black student, but like was kind of able to navigate these white spaces through like he was an athlete. So like playing basketball, he's like, I was always liked and like he never felt like he was never aware of the microaggressions that he was experiencing. And he was always like the black guy who could kind of like be down and hang and pass. And like, we've been having all these like really deep conversations around like how kind of fucked up it it, it even was for him. And like, he was born in 1947. And so just to like hear his story and like my story and like come to this culmination of just understanding like black people are so amazing like that's the type of stuff that's what I, that's my self-care like just watching like amazing videos and and we've all been joking that I'm becoming a hotep but like really like <sighs> watching to your point like Muhammad Ali speeches I love like Malcolm X speeches I watched um I'm watching documentaries on like the Black Panthers because you know they are being they're depicted as this like radical anti-white group but they really were doing amazing work in terms of like providing food for their community, educating their community, like realizing that these kids were in school and couldn't focus because they literally didn't have food to eat. And then they going were so black. Yeah. And just not, going to anti-white. White, exactly. Thing. And right. and and like how much that was threatening to white America. I think that ultimately we need to re-educate ourselves completely um, as a people, because I think the structures and the powers that be will always kind of exist. But as a people, are we going to play into this capitalistic society that thrives on the backs of others? Or are we going to take a stance and be like, you know what? I'm not putting my money towards that. I'm not supporting that. No matter what, yes, you know, some of these institutions will will continue to thrive because they've had a 400-year chance to, to advance. But, like, I'm not standing for that. And it doesn't matter if you're Black, White, Asian, whatever you may be. I think that is going to be, like, the turning point. Um, and, and everyone educating themselves and seeing beauty in, like, all the different cultures. I'm going on a rant, but I'm watching Padma's um, Taste the Nation mm. on Hulu. And it is, like... Oh, it's so good. And, and she's really like, she's going to these different places and, and talk and, and it, it really incorporates like food and, and civil rights and social justice issues and the way she's like highlighting what it means to be American and, and ultimately like the way food is a, is a thing that brings us all together, but has so many influences from so many other cultures. And like, that is what makes America a beautiful space. Oh, I didn't space. know that's what the show was about. Okay. Dude, yeah. I'm going to love so it. It's so good. It it's so good. Um, oh, oh, I was just going to say on the topic of food as well, I'm on the board of a, a museum. It's the first museum I've ever been on the board of. I, I like chaired a gala for the first time in my life last, oh. last year. And it's for the museum of food and drink. It's called MoFab. 
And the reason why I decided to chair the gala is because the exhibition that they were raising money for is called African slash American. And it's, it's African slash American making the nation's table. And it's literally about all of the untold stories mm. of the Africans and black America that have created and contributed and contributed to what we know as America, American cuisine now. And they did this amazing, gorgeous legacy quilt built by the Harlem quilt. I think it's the Harlem quilt association. And it's a four, there's 400 squares. I think the quilt's like 40 feet long or something like that. Each square is of one thin's contribution story. And it's really powerful. And they, we were up, we were supposed to open, um, at the end of March at the Africa center. And, um, obviously weren't able to open due to COVID. And so now we're, we're going out to different corporations to, to ask for them to underwrite the digitization of the exhibition, because never has there been a time when I think not only for black people, but for white America as well to understand how this country was built on the backs of our people, but also, you know, the contributions, like, I feel like as a, as a black American, as an African American, I don't even know half my like history because we're not taught it in school. And so these, I need to hear these stories. These are stories that I'm dying to understand because it will not only it like, yes, I'm a proud black woman, but this is more to be proud of in a way that I haven't been able to celebrate or learn about before. So I'm like, so excited. You brought up the food. So I was just like, let me just get this in because um, it's really, it's going to be really exciting. And I hope we get, we're having some talks with some pretty big brands because I think that's the other thing right now. Like we are taking advantage of the fact that corporate America does Mm -hmm. not know what the hell to do right now. (laughs) And we're like, well, listen, we have all right here. So put your money where your mouth is. Here's where you sign. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, totally. Um, I wrote a piece about James Hemmings and Hercules Posey um, for Eater a couple months ago. There was this dinner series at this restaurant in LA called Hatchet Hall. And I was learning about how these were the chefs to like our first presidents and the food that they made wow. ended up creating because everybody wanted to know what the president was eating what was on the president's table. And then those dishes became considered like American, American cuisine, essential American eats, um, so it, it goes deep. I tell um, you, they're on the Exactly. Glenn, were they enslaved while they were the chefs? They were. Wow. It was wild. They literally they went were, to France. Yep. They and were like in France. they were trained in France. Like they went with Washington to France to train formally, and then from there came back to America. And that is where like mac and cheese really started to become like a thing because they got like cheeses from France, understanding like certain pastries. Like it was crazy. Crazy. They were running entire kitchens. they made it good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But um, something that Hannah and Shade, you were both saying, I started to think about like stories and legacy and like the importance of talking to like the elders in your lives right now and preserving their memories. Like I'm, one, I guess I could say kind of an act of self-care is I'm doing all this genealogy about my family 
Um, and it's partially because I feel like a detective and I'm like reading old documents and looking mm-hmm. at old censuses. But I'm like, these are parts of my family's history. These are so many things that have been a mystery to me. And it's really empowering to be able to connect some of those dots. And also when I'm, when I'm trying to piece together these stories and I'm noticing that there's so many things that are missing, I'm realizing how important it is to continue documenting right now for the generations to come. So, yeah. I love that. I mean, Hannah, I feel like we could talk to you forever. (laughs) And I, I know it's a, it's Juneteenth and we want you to have your time to celebrate. Um, But we've, we've really loved, you know, talking to you and, you know, getting your perspective about this time in history, this historical moment, um, especially as it relates to remaining well. Um, So thank you. We want to thank thank you. you. Thank you so much. This is a really amazing conversation. I'm so excited that we were able to have it and that, you know, other people will get to hear it. It's really special. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad it's 103, your special number. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. Every every time I look at my watch, it's 103. Like every every day. I mean, there are other times too, but every day I see the clock at 103. Are you into numerology at all? So I don't really know much about numerology, but my, my moon sister, who is my, my best friend who's born the day after me. So same year, she's born a day after me. So we say we're moon sisters because we shared a moon that night. Oh. <laughs> she, when we were really young, she told me her number was 103 and that every time she looks at the clock, it's 103. So now we don't live in the same city anymore. And we just text each other 103 at 103 and we don't have to say anything else it's like that means like we're thinking of each other and that's our thing that's so cute but also randomly numerology does I feel like play a weird weird like I haven't gone deep on it but I know that it, it is a factor in my relationship with Brendan um like we're eight years and eight days apart and before I even really realized that, he put, he engraved a message in my ring with also the infinity symbol, which is an eight. Like an eight. Yeah. Mm. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like numerology definitely plays a, a role in my life. It is, I haven't gone deep on it yet. Um, but I know once I even start to unlock that, like it's going to be a whole Best. thing that be like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm do crazy. it. Get into it because it seems like that's very present in your life. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you have? Are you into numerology? Do you I'm, have any? I'm just starting to learn more about it. That's why I asked. I was like, "Are you into numerology with the, well, the you number?" Well, got thing? like a numerology for dummies, like like little. I got like, you. I got you. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Like, we are just. I don't want to be like a fangirl, but we're like, we're really big fans, but we, and, and we also just like love so many different aspects of your platform. Like pre COVID Glenn and I were supposed to be going to Tokyo and we were like, dude, let's oh my God, and watch Brandon's Tokyo video. <laughs> I mean, Japan video. I'm like prepare, but like, it's so great yeah. to see your platform be used in so many different ways that resonate with us. And I think that is like the 
beautiful thing about like social media and yeah. and and the platform that you have. So just want to say thank you for all yeah. the joys, the highs and the lows. Like you're really keeping it authentic yeah. and real. I really appreciate that. It's definitely been a weird thing to navigate. And I'll just say on the last thing because it's like, you know, the media right now is like, all right, we gotta be listening to black creators and da-da-da. And I'm like, yo, I just need like a second. I need to like process. I need to like <laughs> take a minute you know I feel like all of a sudden there's like this pressure and I'm like you know what how do I just do me and just like not give in to like what everyone's you know I feel like I don't know I feel like it's a really weird time and I'm just trying to like be myself and I'm glad that you guys said that because that's like all I'm trying to do it's all it's all I can do really so yeah well, thank yeah. you. Thanks again. Have an amazing Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Thank you. Love it. All right. Well, hug people with some masks for me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We will. Thank you again Bye. and have a good afternoon. You too, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.